Father, we thank you for grace. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your love. Thank you because we are delivered from the power of darkness. And we are translated into the kingdom of your dear son. Thank you because we are oneness with you. And thank you because of the truth you've been showing us about our oneness with you. Lord, we give you all the praise. Be glorified in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we study your word, we pray that you will speak to us the truth that will make us free and that will position us to be all that you want us to be in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Um, without wasting much of time, we will keep exploring the true God as a subject of study and there is a need for us to keep studying God or the true God as our subject of study because God is our object of worship. If he has called us to worship him, if he has called us to follow him, then we have to know him. And one of the ways to knowing the Father is to consciously study Him. Hallelujah. And the good news is that His Word reveals Him. So we keep exploring our study on God. And then this time around, I will quickly want to do a recap of some of the things I shared with you in the last teaching. And from there, we trust that the Lord will take us on. Now, in the last study, two facts of the scriptures we established two parts of the scriptures we established number one is that god is holy and number two is that god is the only one there is so two facts we establish in the scriptures about the god of the bible faith about the God of the patriarchs, about the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is holy and he is the only one there is. When you read Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, God establishes his oneness and then he expresses his jealousy against idolatry. He strictly warns us against idolatry. And also when you read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 6, the word of God tells us that God is the only one there is. So God has no tolerance for other gods because there are no other gods in the first place. So he, he does not want us to be in the dark concerning the fact that what men had called God are not God. So God is one and is the only one God there is. Is the only one God there is, and unlike other God, He is the only God. Or let me say it this way: He is the only, only God there is. Hallelujah. Okay, let's see a few scriptures. I have a number of them, but I wouldn't want to stay on any. But let me show you Deuteronomy chapter six. I just stay there. I don't want to read more scriptures because this is just a review. 
before we start the main teaching it's just a review deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 to 6 deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 to 6 year old israel the lord our god jehovah the elohim is the jehovah and thou shalt love the lord thy god with all thine heart with all thy soul and with all thy mind now the emphasis is that god makes clear here to the hebrews to the, to, to to israel that he is one and that tells us that the gods in the nations of the earth are not gods and i told you if they are not the creators of the heavens and the earth they are not god look at chapter 12 verse 1 to 3 deuteronomy chapter 12 verse 1 to 3 these are the statutes and the judgment which you shall observe to do in the land which the lord god of thy fathers giveth thee to possess it all the days that you live upon the earth you shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which you shall wherein the nation which you sh, which ye shall possess served their gods upon the high mountains and upon the hills and upon every green tree and ye shall overthrow their altars and break their pillars and burn their groves with fire and ye shall heal down the graven image of their gods and destroy the names of them out of the place so there is strong intolerance for other gods and because they are not god they are no god now look at leviticus chapter 11. leviticus chapter 11 verse 45 44 and 45 Leviticus 11, chapter 44 and 45. Hallelujah. God is the only one there is. Chapter 11, verse 44 to 45. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore satisfy yourself, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourself with any manner of creeping thing, that creep upon the earth i am the lord that bring you up out of the land of egypt to be your god you shall therefore be holy for i am holy so he is the only one he is holy and there is no one like him there is no holy like his there's no holy like his so if god is our object of worship he must be our our subject of study if we must know him we must know him by studying him consciously you must know him by studying him consciously because the more we know him the better we worship him the better we become and the more pleasing we become hallelujah so we must know our father it is his desire that we know him it is as that we know him Glory be to God forevermore. So God is the only God and the only God there is. There's none beside him. So by this, 
two principal features of God. You see that God is immediately placed in the class of his own. There is no one like him. He is holy and is the only one there is. So God is the ruling one. He is the controlling one. The only influence and the cause of everything there is. So God said, you shall worship no other God except me. You shall worship no other God except me. Why? Because there is no other God except he. He is the only God there is. There's no other God except he. And the truth of the matter is that we cannot know this except he who knows it and is the only one who knows because he knows the origination or the source or how those gods people refer to be God will come about. So you do not know. Only him knows and he has revealed to us so that we will not fall a victim. So that you will not be in error. So from the previous studies, I showed you six basic things really. Number one, I said that the true God is the only God there is. And is the only loving God there is. In fact, the scripture describes him to be the love, to be the life, and to be the light of mankind. God is love, God is light, God is light. And this to help us understand our focus of love. Our focus in life. The true God is the only loving God there is. But he's a jealous God. And he's jealous because he created us for a particular purpose. And if we begin to live other than this purpose, he becomes jealous. Number two, I also said that the true God is one and holy. Only in the sense that there is no one like him. He is matchless, he is great, he is different, he is pure. And number three, I said that this God is enormous, he is limitless. He is good, he is kind, he is patient and is all gracious at the same time. And I also say that he is revealed not by means and medium, but by name. In other words, the name of God captures all of the dimensions of God. The names of God captures all of the dimensions of God. In other words, a name that is a particular name of God does not capture all of who he is. But his different names together captures different dimensions of him that seems to give us an holistic understanding of our Father. So, a particular name of God, say Yahweh for instance, only reveals an aspect of God. So, we may need to experience several dimensions of God's nature at different times, at different moments, by different revelations of His name. So, the only true God has different dimensions. It's multiple-fold. It's manifold. Is the creator called the Elohim, the almighty spirit who is the creator. 
He is the El Shaddai, the Almighty, the All-Breasted, the Self-Sufficient. Who cares and caters for all? Without lacking. He is also Jehovah, the Self-Existing God. He was not created, but He created all things. And He's also the Hell Hellion, the Most High God. And also is Jehovah Elulam, the everlasting one. So all of these names captures different dimensions of him. And when you bring all of them together, you see that it gives us an holistic revelation of our father. Is the creator is not created? Is the almighty creator who is sufficient in himself, who is self-contained in himself? Is not competing. For power amongst other gods, he is the most high because he is the creator. And unlike other gods that were the handiworks of men, he is not created. He is uncreated. However, the scripture told us in Philippians chapter 2 that God had given us a name. Hallelujah. So the name of Jesus gives us an holistic revelation of the Father. It also gives us access to God's house. Because in him all of God consists. In him all of God is found. So if you want to experience all of the dimension of God, you come through Jesus. And number five, I said that this God who is the creator and who is the God of the patriarch is all-knowing, is all-powerful, and is all-present. So God is enormous. Is limitless, is all powerful. And number six, I say that God is contained and, in, and is revealed in Christ. He is known and experienced in Christ because Christ is the glory of God, He's the one that unveils the Father to us, He shows the Father. So, in summary, my God, we've got to run. And you know, this um, summary of the last thought is indispensable. I would have chosen not to do it. But it is highly indispensable. So, summarily, in the last teaching, I showed us a couple of scriptures to see all of these six things. Number one, I read from Psalm 113, from verse 4 to 9, where the scripture tells us that there is no one like our God who is seated on high. And that from the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun, his name must be praised. That is, he is worthy of our praise our adoration incessantly. I will not be wrong in doing that because it's the source of all things. I also read from Psalm 135 from verse 15 to 18, which gives us a graph, a, 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 a graphical description of idols. It made us to understand that the idols of the nations are silver and gold and they are crafted by men. Eyes they have, they cannot see, ears they have, they cannot see, and anyone that worships them are like them. So idols are nothing. I showed you Colossians chapter 1, from verse 9 to 10, where Apostle Paul tells us that if we want to know the Father, we have got to understand this will. We have got to increase in good works. We have got to grow in all spiritual understanding. 
then we'll be able to know God better and better. And you know, I read that scripture when I was trying to show us the pathways God had provided for us to know Him. I said one of them is prayers, one of them is studying the Word of God, and I said one of them again is finding out the will of God. So the will of God unveils to us God's counsel, and that provides us an avenue to know Him. I read also from Colossians chapter 1, from verse 13 to 22. Where we saw the glory of Jesus, or what you can call the profile of Jesus, or what you can also call the status of Jesus. In that Colossians chapter 1, from verse 13 to 22, we saw how that it is Jesus who delivered us from the power of darkness and he translated us into the kingdom of his dear zone. And it is in that Christ we have redemption because of his blood. And this Jesus is identified to be the image of the invisible God. is the expression of God. And is the firstborn of every creature. And it is by this Jesus Christ, all things were created. Those that are in heaven, those that are under the heaven, both the visible and the invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or power. All things were created for him. And that more importantly, he is before all things. And in him all things consist. And amazingly this jesus that is the creator is also the head of the body which is the church is the beginning is the firstborn from the dead and in him all things is constrained verse 19 says that it pleased the father that in him all the fullness of god should be found all the fullness of god so if there's anything we want to know about god it is found in christ and through this Christ, the scriptures say that God reconciled us to himself. Then I moved to John chapter 1. And I read from verse 40 to 45. Where I mentioned how John the Baptist pointed Jesus at the lamp that takes away the sin of the world. And that two of the disciples went after him. One of them was Andrew. Eventually, Andrew brought his, his brother Simon. Um, that, is, that was Peter. And later on, they found Philip and the message they keep relaying is that they are found the Messiah of whom the prophet and Moses wrote about. And I said that it is the God that you know you can bring others to experience. I moved to John chapter 4 where Jesus Christ encountered that woman at the well of Jacob and you know told us something in particular that a man can worship or a people can worship and they do not know what they worship. And I said the fact that it's not just about coming to church. It's not, it's not just about reading your Bible. It's not just about you know, doing certain rites or you know, forming religiosity. You have got to come to know God personally. Hallelujah. Then that took me to Acts chapter 7 verse 2. Where the scripture told us about the fact that the God of glory met with Abraham. And I said that was the beginning of the meaningful existence of Abraham's life. So anyone who wants to live meaningfully must begin with God and must begin in God. Then finally, I went to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 17 rather. After Acts chapter 7 verse 7. After, after chapter 7 verse 2, I went to Acts chapter 17. And then I read from verse 22 to 31. And from that Acts chapter 17 verse 20 to 31 we saw how that apostle paul came to athens then he met the whole city in darkness they were so religious but yet they are in darkness 
They were so religious, but yet they do not know the God of the universe. They were so given to idolatry. And consequently, they built several altars. Several altars. Several altars. And there seems to be a lack of satisfaction on the inside of them. That they were able to spit another altar they tagged to the unknown God. In other words, they preserved another altar. Should there is an unknown God, that altar was reserved for such. And when Paul saw how the city was given to idolatry, Paul stood up in the midst of Areopagus and began to reveal God to them. And what becomes so pertinent here is that if Paul himself had not found out God, he would not be able to reveal God to his generation. So the God we know now is not just only a tool in our hands as a defense, although he is, but much more, we cannot reveal the Father we have not known. So it is our obligation as God's children to find him out. And Apostle Paul stood up and began to introduce God to, to them. He said, in Acts chapter 17, verse 24, that the God you have not known, him I have come to reveal to you. Now, let's look at Acts chapter 17 as a way of starting. Verse 22 to 24. Then I will light the summary of Apostle Paul's message because of time so that we can begin the teaching properly. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars, ill, and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things, you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him, I declared unto you. My emphasis. Paul was able to declare, that is to explain, that is to reveal the unknown God because he had known him. And the emphasis remains that the God we have not known, we cannot reveal. So what more can you reveal to your generation that your generation had not known about God? Or what can you reveal to your generation that will convince them and draw them to the Father? And look at verse 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. And from this teaching, because of time I will not read through, Apostle Paul brought to light to us seven things about God. So if we must know the only true God or the only God there is who is our object of worship and who is our subject of study, we have got to find out that he is God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is the creator of everything and everyone. So he owns all things. He owns you inclusive. So if the God you have known is not the one that is the creator, it's not the true God. Number two, from the Apostle Paul's teaching, we understand that this God who is the creator cannot be helped by human's hand. It cannot be helped by man. We are not trying to worship him in order to make him happy. We cannot defend him. We cannot fight for him. We can't defend him. He is a living God. He's alive. He does not need man. This man that needs him. 
and actually creates man so that man will actually find meanings and accents by finding him. Number three, an apostle Paul's exposition about what the Father is or who the true God is. He said that this God who is the creator, not just the creator, he is the one who gives life and breath to all things. Consequently, he is the source of all. So if that thing you call God is not the one who created you, then you are serving an idol. Number four. Apostle Paul reveals that this God also wants humanity to find him and to develop relationship with him. And when you look at what Apostle Paul is explaining, he was not talking to believers. These are just facts that we must know. Facts that must lead us to our creator. In fact, he had not revealed Jesus yet. He was only explaining the father. Then, as he was running off, he made clear that this God cannot be found except in Christ. And that Christ died and resurrected as a proof that he is God manifested in human form. So, God wants humanity to seek him, to find him, and to become one with him. Number five, Apostle Paul made clear that in this God we live. And find our being. And here Apostle Paul is saying the same thing John says. That in the beginning was the world. The world was God. The world was with God. It was in the be- he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him nothing was made that was made. And he was able to make things. And everything exists out of him. Because in him is life. And the life is what helps man to understand the pathway of life. The essence of living and God's eternal purpose or goal in the creation of man. So in him we live. That is our, is our source. We are, we are the extension of, 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 of him. So you are a proof that there is a God. Creation is a proof that all there is are not a function of evolution. But a very definite proof of the existence of the creator. And the earlier we know this, the better. The earlier we know this, the better. Number six, Apostle Paul also reveals that humanity is God's offspring. We came out of him. He is our God and intends to be our father. He is the king of the earth because he's the creator of the earth. Psalm 24 verse 1, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. He has established it upon the waters. In other words, the whole world is given to God as copyright. I don't know whether you understand that. He owns it. So he owns the right to control it. So it's not a tenant, a tenant to anyone. So we are his offspring. So you do not exist for yourself. He created you. And if he created you, you owe him every right to live for him. That's the fact of the scriptures. Your passion, your zeal, your drive, your ambition, your goal, amongst other things, should be to him. Your affection should be on him. This is how we live. This life. So Paul said we are his offspring. We derive our excellence from him. We are a derivative of him of this eternal life who is called God. So we do not exist by our own selves. 
So if we do not exist by our own self, then we must not live our own self. Our life must not only be the focus. Life is beyond you. Life is beyond now. It's beyond the moment. We came out of God and we must live for him out of whom we came. And finally, Apostle Paul said that God cannot be represented by an image that is inanimate. The only image that represents God is man. Now we shall make man in our own image, in our expression. So if you have an image or certain objects you bow down to or certain creature, maybe animate or inanimate, your parents do worship and they've introduced you to. You can be sure those things are not the creature of the heavens and the earth. And if they are not, they are not the living God. They will only subjugate your life to a mystery that will continue even to your unborn children. So, God is not an image. He is a spirit. Christ revealed him as the spirit. So, he has no physical form. So, he cannot be represented by, by items. To do that is to be involved in idolatry. And as a source of idolatry. This God we spoke about is revealed in Christ. Is revealed in Christ. And it's revealed through the name of Christ. So if you must connect to him, you connect to him not by incensor, not by ritual, not by human sacrifices. You connect to him by calling on the name of Jesus. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The scripture reveals. And there's no name given to men on the earth by which they must be saved except by the name Jesus. So it is man's ignorance that leads him into idolatry. And consequent upon the fall, man becomes subject to nature, although he was created to control nature. And God has warned us strictly against idolatry. He warned us strictly against idolatry. You must not worship idols, God said. Look at Exodus chapter 18. Let's see how he wants us against idolatry. And he wants us against idolatry because he knows that they are not gods. Although behind them there are spiritual realities. But, but actually they are not gods. Hallelujah. They are not God. Exodus, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, chapter 18, from verse 9 to 19. When thou art coming to the land, is God warning the Hebrews, the Israel, or the Israelites against idolatry. And all of these things accords to the prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17, verse 3, that they may come to know you the only true God. And Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And he told us that Jesus was sent in order for him to give eternal life to as many that will respond to the provision of God in him. So, in showing us that idols are not God's designs and they are not God's, God warned against them. And check it, it takes the true God to expose idols. So, see what he told the Hebrews. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9 to 19. We are going to run it very quickly. When thou art come into the land which the Lord your God giveth thee, 
thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of these nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a shaman, or a consorter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of this abomination, the Lord thy God does drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God, that is, you will be one with him. For these nations which thou shalt possess are king not unto the observers of time, unto the viners, but as for thee, the Lord thy God has not suffered thee to do so. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of the brethren like unto me. Unto him ye shall hearken. Now let's stop here. Now this is God warning against idolatry. And anyone who is given to idol worshipping is doomed forever. And so that we will not be doomed, Christ came. Christ came. So in essence, our study is not complete without looking at the glory of this God we have come to study or we have come to know. We have seen him to be all powerful, to be all gracious, to be all knowing, to be all present, to be kind. We have known him to be the only God and the holy God. But there is something more that is very inevitable to study about him. And that is his glory. That is his glory. Our study will remain incomplete except we look at the glory of this God. And it is because God and his glory are inseparable. They are one. God's glory is inseparable from him. So we will study the glory of God. And as we study this glory of God, what I intend to do is very simple. What I intend to do is very simple. Number one, I want to identify what the glory of God is. And why his glory is inseparable from him. And of course, the glory of God is all that God is. It's all the fullness of God. It's all the goodness of God. It's all the graciousness of God. But we are going to find out how that is true. So that we will not be making an assumption that is not true. And secondly, I also want to identify Jesus Christ as a totality of God gives to us. As God manifested in human form and as the glory of God. The scriptures told us in Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 that he is the fullness of God. And in him dwell all the fullness of God in bodily form. So Christ is the glory of God. He is full of God and is full of man. 
and he came to show all the fathers so that we will not miss our way on the jungle of life. And number three, we shall also look at what happens when God takes the glory in the life of a man or when the glory of God is revealed to a man. We are going to look at what happens to a man when he encounters the, the glory of God, when he becomes enraptured in the glory of God, when he becomes caught up in the glory just as the apostles were caught up on the month of transfiguration. And this is what we are going to do for the next few minutes. We want to look at the glory of God. So the other side of God that makes him great, matchless, enormous, and all that he is, is what we call the glory of God. And we are going to look at what that glory is. Hallelujah. What is the glory of God? Now, I will read first from Ephesians. Hallelujah. I read first from Ephesians chapter chapter 1 verse 17. I just want to pick a line of truth. That the God and that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is what I want to take. I'm not going through the whole of the scriptures. Now here, Apostle Paul identified God to be the God and Father of glory. In other words, the God that owns all things. And says that this knowledge is very necessary because this knowledge also supplies us all that we need to know him. Look at that verse 17 again. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, the God that owns all things, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So, he's not just making a passive statement. He says, look, he is the God of glory. But it is not just for you to understand from my own statement that is the God of glory. You have got to assess the Holy Ghost to help you see that really is the God of glory. That they will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In essence, he will give you the Holy Ghost so that you can know him. So, the goal of God is that we know him. And not that we should know him alone, but that we should experience him and experience his glory. So, what we are looking at now is the glory of God. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. The last time when I spoke on this subject, I started with John chapter 17 from verse 20 to 26 where I showed you the prayer of Jesus. And then there, are, there were five things Christ prayed for when he was praying for us. Number one, he prayed that God will make us one with himself. That we will be bound with God. He prayed that we will be one as they are one. And he said that when we become one with the Father, this becomes a proof to the world that we are sent as a saint. Number two, which is very vital. Then he said that 
he had given to us the glory God gave to him. In other words, said he released the glory God gave him to us because we needed it to become one with him. So we have got to share what belongs to him for us to be one with him. And if we are one with him, nothing will be held back which is good for us. That's why the scripture says that God will give grace and glory and nothing good will be written. We told them from those who believe. Number three, Christ also prayed for us affirming that we need to know the Godhead. Jesus reaffirmed the need to be one with the Godhead as a proof of his divine love for us. He says that we have got to know the Godhead and become one with him. And all through the scriptures, you see that Jesus Christ keeps on emphasizing our oneness with the Father. He said, I in them, and you in me, that they may be make that they may become perfectly one as we are one, so that the world we know that we have received the same love and that you have sent them just as you've sent me. In other words, Christ said that that we may know that we have received the same love the Father shared with him. So the love the father has with christ he had now shared with us number four christ prayed for us that he desired that we be where he is that is that we operate from where he is right now at the right hand of god from his exalted position he prayed that we will see the glory that god gave him so saying this glory is consequent and really determines how much of it we can utilize he said that we will see the glory that God gave him because God loves him. So, Christ received everything he received from the Father because of the love. So, we receive from the Father on the ground of love. John chapter 3, the scripture says that the Father loved the Son and he had given everything to him. So, we receive on the basis of love. On the basis of love. And number 5, Jesus affirmed and reaffirmed that he had revealed to us the name of the Father. And that he will show us the potency of that name as we stand to represent him in every field of study, in every and on every platform, and in any strata we find ourselves. So Jesus affirmed that he already had made known to us God and his name. And that he will show us what his name in our mouths can do as we start to represent him on earth. He promises to show us what the name can do as we stand for God in different spheres in life. So I feel this is one of the greatest prayers for believers ever. And shortly after this prayer, Jesus Christ was arrested. He was beaten, he was killed, and he was left to die on the cross. But it was not all over. He came alive. The glory of God came upon him, and he came back alive. In other words, this glory of God we want to see knows no end, knows no boundary, knows no limitation. Hallelujah. And Christ said, I have bequeathed this glory on you. He said, I want them to see my glory so that they will know that they have become one with, with us. Can you bless God? I say, Father, thank you because of the revelation of your glory. Thank you because of giving me a share in yourself because I have a portion in you. The lines are falling unto me in pleasant places. Therefore, 
I have a good heritage. Can you bless God for this heritage he has given to you? Hallelujah. 